0: I went through half the class not recording one time. Then I asked uh, Eric, why it wasn't up on the thing, and he said very kindly, I I think there was a malfunction in the class. (laughs) And I thought, he was talking about me. I was the malfunction in the class. Um, Somebody asked me, um, they said, What are some little things I can do physically to connect with God? And, of course, all the jokes from the 80s, you know, listen to Inagata Vita at 78, that would do it. But, <laughs> see, you old people get that. Young people go, I have no connection with that. What, you know, um, we always say bow your head in prayer. Now, this is going to sound sacrilegious. Go and look at how Jesus prayed. And it says every time, and lifting his eyes to heaven, he, and then he prayed. And I have found that that's a very unique way to connect with God. Um, I can't lift my eyes to heaven and leave them open because I get distracted by birds and you know whatever else the ceiling fan. But um, another way is to um, you know we sing songs like we dance before you Lord, and we lift our hands to you, and we do all that, and we don't do any of that. I mean, we just you know it's like, what are we talking about? Um, so maybe. Um, so I had a friend who was like, I'm just, I'd like to be like one of those people who just tries to be a little more expressive. And he said, I put my hands in my pockets and I lift my thumbs up. <laughs> and he goes, this is my starter. This is like lifting my hands to heaven. He says, I'm starting with my thumbs. I think I'm going to start with this. And we'll do the little secret thing here. And, um, but um, there are ways to be more expressive, even just in our private times, um, where we stir ourselves up it says that David uh, strengthened himself in the Lord. And um, those ways sound funny, but um, if you read science stuff, you realize that we can we can start from the physical and influence the inside, or we can start from the inside and influence the physical. And uh, we have a lot more control over the physical. So I would just um, encourage you um, to just think about little ways like that, that we can do that. I know that sounds a little strange, but um, just try sometime, just in your private prayer time, just lifting your eyes toward heaven and, and saying, God, I want to draw near to you. I want to draw near to you. And your word says, if we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. So I'm going to come into your throne room right now and talk to you. That's what I want to do would it be okay I like to ask would it be okay questions would it be okay God if I come near to you right now and just listen I, I, I've had people go I don't know if this was God but I heard hell yeah you know it' was like it was like it was like that's what my dad said when he just when he just wanted to be with me He said hey come here yeah hell you know and he said that that just really resonated with me so ask would it be okay questions with God um, I know um, some people um talk about how they come near to god and they think of the temple and there's an outer court an inner court and a holy of holies and they say and i I actually started this way many years ago they say i start and i see myself out out in the crowd where there's business going on and food trucks kind of in the in the outer court and then I say, okay, I'm, Lord, I'm setting all that aside. And in my mind, I walk to the inner court. In the outer court, we talk to each other. And you can see so- outer court songs in worship. They're songs about, when the rose called up yonder, I'll be there. You know, and, and we're sort of singing to each other. In the inner court, we sing about God to each other. But in the Holy of Holies, we sing to God and we're connecting with God himself. And so we can can help ourselves to do that. And it's kind of strange what happens. Uh, Not strange, but in a good way. When we, Ephesians one, and none of this is what we're gonna talk about, but I'm kind of waiting for the rest of the crowd to come in. But Ephesians one says, I pray that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened that you might know. And then it gives this whole string of things that Paul says you'll know if the eyes of your heart are enlightened. The eyes of your heart is another phrase for your imagination. Your imagination in today's parlance has really been poo-pooed. It's like, oh, it's just your imagination. Like that's stupid. Oh, you have imaginary friend, you know, but God has given us the imagination as a connecting point with him. Just like we, we bow our heads and close our eyes because we don't want distractions. We have three screens inside of us, every one of us do. We have the screens of the outer world. So our five senses, there's a screen on the inside that our five senses play on. We have memory and analysis. If I say, remember your best Christmas ever, what's two plus two, you're playing that on the memory and analysis screen. And we have the screen of imagination and intuition. So we all have three screens so we can only focus on one at a time. And God often plays on the screen of imagination and intuition. So if you read the Psalms, you go, huh, David, God wasn't really a bird. Uh, David wasn't really under the shadow of his wings, but maybe he was not, not in the real sense, but in the sense of, of where in his mind's eye, he closes his eyes and he says, God, who are you to me today? Would it be okay if you showed me something about yourself today? And he goes, An eagle. And see, all of a sudden he's connecting with God, and God is using the machinery that he built into us. And that machinery is good for lots of things, but one of the things it's really good for is connecting with God. And so I wouldn't discount it. I would I would use it in your own prayer life. I would I would read a psalm, close my eyes and be in that psalm. Put yourself in that psalm and watch it come alive. Watch God say, I love this game, let's play. And talk to you in, in interesting ways and you go, wow, I, I think that was God. You know, it's, because if we ask, him a, if we ask a, a good father a question, he gives you an answer. He doesn't go, well, you have to wait on me, you know, I'm mysterious. He, he doesn't do that, but we do that with God. And God's not human and his first language isn't English, but he can speak to us in ways that are far better than English. He can give us a sentence or he can give us this complete inner knowing in a burst. And you go, wow, it's gonna take me a half hour just to unpack what I just sensed from God, what I just heard from God. And it becomes part of us. So I just, just wanna stir us up in that. Okay, so we've been talking about um, was that okay anybody have any everybody okay any questions or wait what did you mean when you said okay well if you do you can talk to me later we've been talking about gifts of the holy spirit Um, this has been whose first time is is this your first time here okay i am so sorry (laughs) we're we like go from zero to 60 in like a second um and there's there's a long history and all of it is on the web um, and if you give Mike Cagle your email, um, there's a Dropbox where you can go find everything, okay, if you want to. Um, and so we've been talking about serving and speaking gifts, and if you look around the room, we have put these seven gifts up, and, um, and so the speaking gifts are really here and here, and then we, we go around the room and look at the other gifts, so teaching, if you start to add mercy to it, it becomes exhortation. If you take less talk away, it becomes mercy. If you take um, less, more talk and empathy, and more, uh, let's just get to it, and get her done. It becomes serving. If you start over here, teaching becomes prophecy. So teachers are all about um, what is true and what is false. Prophets are all about what is right and what is wrong. Okay. So someone with that gift, they really just they can sense what's not right and what's wrong, um, and then. Leaders are about what's right, what's wrong, but, but they want to organize to do something about it, okay? When you take the leading part out, but the resourcing part in, you get to giving. And when you make giving really practical, you get to serving. So it's like serving and teaching are like the opposite poles of the speaking and, and, and serving gifts, okay? And so last week we talked about those. Before we dive in, and we're going to have to really, I'm going to have to talk like a Yankee on drugs to get this done in half an hour, uh, because I want to see, say, the last three weeks for Manifestations of the Spirit. Um, So before we dive into serving gifts, there's a couple of things I want to talk about with us, because for people with serving gifts, these things are really important, maybe more important than with speaking gifts. And I have pictures of those of you who have serving gifts. we sometimes say that a spiritual gifting is just it's kind of your personality but god uses it or it's your talent and god uses your talent and 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 we call it a spiritual gifting but it's really it's kind of just who you are kind of a thing and so really when you think about that you go well that means everybody on earth has a spiritual gift and you go well wait a minute that doesn't seem quite scriptural and so i want to talk about that and you might remember if you were here for a couple years this picture um, where Paul goes um, I pray that you would be preserved complete that your spirit and your soul and your body would be preserved until the coming of the Lord Jesus and we talked about three kinds of people and three motivations in people's life and so Paul talks about a Sarkikos man and he said are you not men of the flesh because you fight? You, bub, uh, you're kind of animalistic, right? So he says you're you're a man, flesh. You're influenced by the drives of your body. We would call them teenage boys. Okay, so so they're 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 like, I want food. I want sex. I want sports. I want excitement. I want you know I, I want constant dopamine input into my life. If I could just mainline dopamine, I'd be fine. Okay, that, that's sort of sort of that idea. Um, then you have this psychikos. Paul says the natural man, the psychological man, the brain man, can't accept the things of the spirit. They seem foolish to him. They, they seem silly. They don't make sense to him, okay? And that's a psychikos man. So that's, that's a person who's primarily driven by logic, by their brain, by what they can figure out, by, um, we might call those exegetic uh, doctoral candidates or so, you know, something like that where it's really it's a lot about the Greek and the Hebrew and, and what can we deduce and, and, so, and so I really rely on my intellect. I rely on my, on my ability to figure things out. And then Paul talks about the third kind of person, the pneumaticos, pneuma, pneumatic tires. And he says that is the person whose primary reliance in life is on the spirit, the spirit side of themselves and the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of them. And Paul says to us that that kind of person is the person who can understand God the best because God is spirit. And he says, those people can rightly assign value to things in the earth even though a natural man um, cannot assign value to them. In other words, they might seem a little strange, a little off, a little... And Paul says, look, that's who I am. I've got all kinds of degrees, but I am a a pneumaticos person. I'm primarily led by the Holy Spirit and by my spirit. And so out from the, the Holy of Holies within me flows revelation, intuition, conscience, communion, and it flows into my soul, and my soul makes use of that input to make decisions in life. So the soul is grand central station, your mind, your will, and your emotions, and body stuff, I'm hungry, feed me now or I'll kill you, comes in here. Spirit stuff comes in here, and the mind makes decisions based on the input. The mindset on the spirit is life. The mindset on the flesh is death. The mindset on the mind is boring. Okay, so, so it doesn't say that, but there is something called the law of the mind in Romans 7. And so what, 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 when we think about spiritual gifts, what we're talking about is something that comes out of the spirit in a pneumaticos man sort of a way. And so if you think about a talent, you're born with it. You inherited it. It's genetic. Um, It's part of your soul makeup. Every human has it. It's it's, the, it's kind of the confluence of your experiences and your intelligence and your talent and, and, and it's all of those things together and every human has that, okay? Um, it's empowered by the soul. That's not a bad thing. Our soul is a wonderful steward. Uh, it's, so it's not a bad thing at all. None of those three are bad things, okay? When before men fell, all of them were glorious things. When men fell, certain parts of us became what's called the flesh and then we're born again, and we're not going to go into all that because that would be another three hours. Um, it, it tends to be more predictable, more routine. Hard work is, is involved in kind of developing your talent. I, I went to uh, the Time Jumpers uh, Friday night down at uh, Third and Lindsley with a guitar master sitting with me, and there's a guy there in the Time Jumpers named Andy Reese, which is interesting because I, I would get calls to play gigs late at night once in a while. And I would go, I do know four chords, but you probably want the other Andy Reese. So, um, and he said, this guy has been a studio musician for 35 years and he still practices two and a half hours a day, every day. And you just go, wow, okay. Um, and so that's, that's a talent. Hard work produces results. And as our character matures, as we become spiritual people, all of those things are used increasingly by God. So our character becomes like the character of Christ and our talents are used for all sorts of things. Even when they're used in banking, the character of Christ flows, I didn't mean banking like it's bad, but the character of Christ flows through that, and we become these wonderful people who who are giving and 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 generous and whatever, okay? And so that's true, but that's not your spiritual gift. So when we look at the a comparison, a spiritual gift is given at salvation. This is what I think. Okay, now everything I say is what I think, okay? It's not. It's it's kind of what I think and then I'll pull like the experienced trump card out and say well I've experienced it too, but it's not gonna be hundred percent, right? We all are taking notes on the Holy Spirit um, It originates in your spirit and it flows outward Okay, so so you and you and God are communing in your spirit and you get this sense of what you might do and you say to your mind and will okay in order to do that we should do this and this and this and now your soul gets energized, and then you say to your body, "Okay, we need to go to the store and pick up some supplies and so and so you have God directing you, and then as you go, the Holy Spirit goes with you Jesus goes with you I sometimes when I'm in the car I'll pat the seat next to me and say, "Jesus buckle up okay and I do that to remind myself that in him I live and move and have my being, and it's funny okay um, so while the soul is empowered by soul strength, okay, the spirit is empowered by the spirit within us. Um, while the soul sort of gifting is kind of predictable—you practice and then you do the thing you practice—the spiritual gift is a little more wild. It's a little less predictable. There's a there's a sense of, and we talk about this. There's a sense of, of you know those those flat escalators at the airport, the people movers. And so you're walking and you go, I'm not going to go on that because I need to lose 20 pounds. So I'm just going to walk. And the person goes past you and they're not walking faster than you. They're just moving faster than you. And that's a picture of operating in your spiritual gifting. Things just start to happen. It just you, you begin to sense this partnership with God. You begin to sense this, this is kind of fun. I feel sort of motivated. I, I like I like doing this. I may quit my job. You know, it's just, okay, there's, uh, there's all kinds of things. And those two can line up. And so while, um, while um, talent and gifting is used by God for sure, spiritual gifts are always used by God for the purposes of your life in his kingdom. Okay? And, and that doesn't mean church stuff necessarily. It could mean um, I was out with a brother yesterday um, I gave him a jar of honey and we were talking and the waitress came over and looked at the honey and just, Oh, I love local honey, blah, 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 blah. He gets the check. He turns it over. He writes, this is for you. God bless you. and gives away the honey I gave to him right then and there. And, and we quick got out so she wouldn't see us. And then I peek back and she's like, oh, like that. And I just thought that was it. That was, he, this guy has a giving gift and he just thought this would be extravagant and he hinted I should give him a replacement jar okay and I was like I don't have that giving gift by the way sorry about that okay so uniquely used by God for that okay so everybody kinda got that how that works and so you could come up with the examples but using a talent as a spiritual gift will produce only what the soul can produce and so I'm not saying it will produce bad things but it will never produce glorious things. It'll produce good things, okay? And so, as we grow, we discern the difference between the two. Sometimes the two are very well aligned in your personality, but sometimes they're not. Sometimes a person is this extraordinarily successful businessman, but their heart is mercy. You know, know, the minute they stop work, they're working in the prison, they're taking food to somebody, and that's where they come alive, okay? And and then they start to pull the mercy back into their business and before you know it their business is thriving In ways they never expected because they pulled it back in I can see we're not going to make it Okay, so we're coherent package the the parts of you are never in conflict even though they might seem to pull at you differently but as I resolve my coherent package then I become this unique individual so none of us are alike because each of us, is this coherent package. And remember you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Ephesians 2:10) that you are to walk in. So, so you're prepared. This package is you being prepared for the good works. And as you walk, you stumble into these good works. You have to try to miss them. They're like Easter eggs. Parents hide Easter eggs for the kids, not from the kids, right? I hope nobody finds these eggs, right? That, okay, and we sometimes think God is that way, but no, God hides the works for us, not from us. If we even just have this little bit of awareness that, that today something is planned, something is God. Don't know what it is right now, but I, I hear him giggling. I hear Holy Spirit going, ha, <laughs> ha. Wait till you see what he stumbles on today. And so when we live that way, we we see little ways things start to go. And then all of a sudden something big will pop. Something will happen. Something um, strange will happen. I got an email yesterday. I, I'm part of this ministry called Freedom Prayer. And we just finished a Spanish translation. And I got an email yesterday from a... happening to you, isn't it, brother? <laughs> I got an email um, phew, I guess not look at you. I got an email from a, a woman who, who just got the translation and she said, five churches have now gotten together three across the border and three in South Texas. And we are learning this stuff together in Spanish for the first time. And it was like exclamation marks, like four lines <laughs> exclamation marks. And I was just like, wow, wow. And that started with this crazy idea about we should put this in a book and now it's in three languages, and you just go, okay. That was one of those works that, I didn't think about a Spanish translation, I thought about my Sunday school class, okay, and you know, back some years ago. Okay, the other thing is that there's two ways of deadly thinking about serving gifts. I love what Josh did in church today, and if you go to the late service, you'll see it, but service gifts are easy to say to themselves, I'm not important i don't i'm not andy reese i don't teach so i'm not i'm not josh i'm not a speaking gift so how important can i be not that important and it's also easy for people who are public people to to interact with public people right well we speakers are all going to lunch you know at the break of the conference and so years ago i purposed um if i speak at a conference or something to hang out with mercies and service and helpers and serving people and i purposed to try to make friends, good friends of those, because I want to know what they know. I want to learn how they tick. And God says, that's a good thing. The ones that we, we wouldn't naturally in our souls think as famous or honorable or attractive, or I want to go hang out. Those are the ones we should go hang out with so that there's no division in the body. So it's just sort of a backward thinking thing. So, so I just want to say, wow, I just want, stop. I just want to say to you, mercies and givers, and you're like in heaven. That's, that's where the kind of the Brentwood houses will be in heaven. The, it'll be you guys, okay? It'll be, I mean, when Jesus does the final exam, you don't see teaching in there anywhere. He says, when I was in prison, you came and taught. You, you prophesied to me. No, he said, you visited me. See, everything about the sheep and the goats is about serving gifts. So even Jesus is like, they're the important ones. You teachers, you just help them to do what they do. You're actually their servants. Okay. Um, That's why there's a lot more of them. Okay. So let's talk about the four primary serving gifts. Now I'm going to have I'm gonna pop up, I'm gonna describe one, then I'm gonna pop up a picture, and some of you will be in that picture. So I want you, like last week, I want you to chime in and, and um, say, answer these questions, yeah, that was pretty accurate about me, this wasn't accurate, or I wanna tell you a story about that, okay? So that we can get, get that illustration, and we've got 20 minutes to do it. Okay, let's talk about leading. Leaders tend to be on time, and under budget, right? That, that's like, uh, they, they like that. Um, they thrive under pressure, they tend to thrive under pressure. In fact, they sort of crave pressure. It's like, nah, it's not midnight, I'm not starting on homework yet. You know, it's like, uh, and they don't mind putting pressure on other people around them. And, so, and they think that's a good thing, and other people around them go, would you stop? Okay, but they don't mind that. Um, they're concerned about loyalty more than talent. They don't need to be complimented. They're, they're fine, affirmation's fine, but what do you want from me? You know, they're, they're, they're just fine with not being affirmed. Um, don't, they hate to be micromanaged. It's like, you want me to do this and leave me alone to do it, kind of a thing. Um, they're action people, they're fixers. They, they see a problem, they don't complain, they don't talk to somebody, they go, okay, how are we gonna organize to fix this? That, that's kind of their, they love doing that sort of thing. Um, they're not very spontaneous and they like to be asked, they don't volunteer. There's something about if you ask me, then I can use my gifting. If I volunteer, I'm kind of pushing my gifting on you and I don't like that, okay? It's like if I volunteer, I'm a mercy. But if you ask me, I'm a leader, okay, and so I want to be asked, it just, it just makes it work better. Diverse skill set. Um, They can work with imperfect people very well. And so, when you look at a mature leader, at someone who's worked a lot of the kinks out of their lives, these are things about a mature leader. Um, They can apply pressure wisely to people, they can light a fire without people getting burned because they've learned how to do that. Um, High moral integrity, very principled. They have a real sense of excellence. But everything they do. The the leaders at Otter Creek Church create the excellence you see everywhere in the church. Okay? Um, They they tend to have healthy relationships. An immature leader is distant from everybody, has few relationships. A mature leader has very healthy relationships across the whole spectrum and counts on them for input and is is totally willing to get input. Their ego's not involved in the leadership at all. they're able to focus on key tasks, not peripheral tasks. They, they do that. Um, we talk about number five. And number six, um, they are often given authority in government, in the kingdom. And within that authority, I have seen again and again and again, a, a mature leader can bless a young Christian and spend some time with them and pray for them, and it changes everything. Just, yeah, I spent... An hour with this guy he prayed for me he spoke a prophetic word or he just told me who he thought i was what he liked about me and it changed everything about my life okay so with that are any of these people in the room these were the lead now i I don't oh yeah there you go so yeah yeah i (laughs) know so so um what about this you kind of go yeah and is there any story you or Janabeth wants to tell on you about being a leader? And you don't have to talk, but you're a leader, so Yeah. Well, let me stand up. No, um, <laughs>
1: I think the wanting to be asked thing is probably pretty accurate about that, although I probably would never said that until you mentioned it. You kinda I don't know. Mm-hmm. Once you said it though, I was like, Yeah, I kinda feel like what. I, want. Um, I think feel like when you volunteer sometimes I feel like Pushing or you're trying
0: to take control of things.
1: Maybe Mm. that's my non leadership
0: side of me. Well, when a leader volunteers, they want to take control because they want it to work well, right? They're like. "Ah." Um, Anybody else? Does this, while he's thinking of something else, does this resonate with you or a leader you know? Yes, you're about to say something. Are you? No? I'm looking at you. Don't turn around. (laughs) I'm thinking of someone I know. Yeah, Jim?
1: Yeah, were you going to say something, Jim?
0: Yeah, except he delegates authority. He delegates authority down lines through the church. And he says, submit to your I mean he says submit to every authority. So Yeah. When people usurp authority, it becomes a problem. But when they like like the centurion said to Jesus, I too am a man under authority and I exert authority. And Jesus said, never have I seen such great faith. Because the centurion was recognizing that Jesus operated under authority with authority. I guess when we, I, my, my uh, thoughts along that line is when we uh, start feeling this authority is of ourselves, Yes. and um, it belongs to me, yeah. And that would be an immature leader who, who wants to lord it over the sheep, right? Or, or, yeah, or understands, yeah, yeah. Understands our authority, then, then that's when we have uh, we, uh, missed all the pictures. Yep, yep, and you speak like one with experience in that. Yeah. I almost see it more as a speaking, with, speaking
2: blessing over another with authority. Um, like mm-hmm.
1: that, uh, speaking the truth in authority to expand the kingdom, because there are so many of us roaming around who questioning is is this, is this, is this and it's somebody to say, yes, this
0: is God's yeah. blessing on
1: you and his purpose in
0: you and um, and we, certainly we always hold it, right, and we judge what people say or we adjudge it, yeah. Carrie, were you gonna say something? Oh uh, couple of my fellow elders have that our call them there to the to a T. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's figure out how to solve it. Yeah. I exhort people to fix it. <laughs> it's like yeah. you should fix that. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. Whatever, whatever, uh, they're at their best when they motivate the gifts in others to work together to do something, and they get out of the way. Yeah, so I
1: concerned,
0: concerned about Yeah, but a very immature leader needs affirmation all the time, or they need to lord it over, right? And so it's, I'm the pastor, I'm the pastor, um, Did anything pop back up? Uh, I was kind of already mentioned, but I think
1: uh, the, the fixture thing is definitely. I can affirm that. I, you know, looking around, I can't stand to see things that aren't working properly. Well, machine, I have to get in there
0: and fix it. Yeah. Okay. And again, these are just um, a number of people who have uh, we've had discussions over the years and what I've seen. Um, And there's probably, if Jesus was there, he'd say, uh, cut that, change that, cut that. But it just kind of helps us look at the fog of facts and go, yeah, yeah, that's more like that. Yes, ma'am.
1: huge yeah. push to try to attack them, but that whole healthy relationships and engaging emotionally seems in a couple of leaders I know well yeah.
0: it seems like that's where I've, I've seen Satan's
1: lies just woven around the yeah. area so
0: that it inhibits. Yep. It's- Satan's attack in your life is never random. Never random. It's always focused on your gifting. To pervert it, to destroy it, to uh, use your character, to ruin it, to divide the church through you. It's never random. It's not wheel of misfortune. It's I'm after that gifting because that gifting is God's allotment of his self to you. And Satan hates that more than anything else in your life is that allotment of God's character, nature, that piece of him to you. Okay, let's talk about the giver. Um, They're, I think, the most versatile, adaptable it's hard to tell a giver right off because they're just involved in, and it looks like mercy and then it looks like leadership, then. but, but their focus is always um, giving high quality gifts to establish something permanently, to, to establish a ministry, to establish a work, to establish a person. To, it's like, okay, what do you need to get to college? Okay, let's make it ha- you know, It's like, they're, they're like, so they don't necessarily like to kind of just give to the poor. What they it would almost be better to say they're an investor, rather than just a giver. In other words, they want to invest in something that that will give a return to the kingdom in some way. Maybe it's more for a mercy would they're not they're investing in a person, no matter who it is. A giver is kind of invested in kind of things that he sees God doing, and he wants to get behind those. And it's not just money; it could be. He could marshal other resources to make it happen. Um, I've seen in their lives, and others have said that that they have a lot of favor on their lives in success, it, kind of in church business, and often it spills over into business business. Um, they like to give high quality, uh, more than just money. I think um, they're hard to hustle and dupe. If if someone is is hitting somebody up for money, they're the ones who could go, nah. Okay, they they just can kind of see because they can see what God is doing in high quality things, they can see what God is not doing necessarily in low quality hustle, low return kinds of things. And they uh, a mature one won't uh, diss you when they see that. Um, I wish uh, Chad Troop were here because these parts of it just uh, and he's in the giver picture, but um, family life is really, just interestingly, is very key to a giver. Having a very rich family, being really focused on family, the values of family, maybe because they see that as the best investment ever, I don't know, but um, practical trust in God, they've they've given and trusted God and seen him come through again and again, so they have this very practical way of trusting God. Um, They are very principled, they're not very casual about the absolutes of God. they live by principle, um, and maybe that keeps their giving very principled rather than emotional, but they really uh, they give wisely and they um they accept responsibility for mistakes pretty easily I mean it's like, yeah, that was a bad you know it's, it's not like it's a personal thing with them. It's like oh yeah that we didn't we didn't do that quite right, kind of a thing, so you, you don't see them a mature one, you don't see them um, making uh Okay, now you know who you are. Let me see, there's at least one, there's at least a couple of you in the room. Um, so do you have any, any thoughts about, yes, sir, I see you smiling. Ready, go. <laughs> uh, yeah,
2: just a lot of thoughts go through my head and as this came up, it was just affirming, I think. Um, something that stuck out that in my head was, i never little about mom. Slow it down to Green Hills, and well, we went down to give money to a homeless man. And be asking you know, why we did that, and she said, "I mentioned the story about you know sometimes we entertain angels on a way." Or I think that it's kind of stuck with me, and, and made me kind of feel like giving is kind of when I'm in my wheelhouse with God. Like that's I think about how can I serve God it goes to giving. Mm. Um, I think it's maybe hard to talk about the one you desire to keep a giving secret. That kind of resonates, like it's you know talking about it kind of. Know, take a blessing away from God if I, you know, yeah. talk about it. <coughs> um, but yeah, hard to hustle or, or don't, you know, spot hidden agendas. It really bothers me when somebody's, I feel like somebody's trying to, you know, come at a different angle, try to get something from you. And definitely the commi- committed to family. Um, I tend to shy away from more, you know, like job responsibilities or adding job responsibilities I want to make sure I have. Family time. Yeah. But something else that kind of, this whole talk has been read, or going through my head is in the verse that says, um, eagerly desire the greater gifts. And I just wonder if you could talk about that, maybe for a minute, or how that applies to this. Because or... I see myself in other things as well. Yeah. I don't
0: know. I don't know. When we come back to manifestations, let's remind me of that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Any other thoughts about this one? Yeah. Okay. Um
1: some of you know that I'm the director of the Fugeot Center for Engineering Service at Lipscomb, and the Peugeot's fit that description there to a T. Mm. to
0: give to high-quality Yeah, 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 I I, I, uh, I, was gonna try to get get you out of that hot water, but then I realized you dove in head first, so.
1: Yeah. They're the founding uh, the
0: founders of the food center. So. Yeah. I just see do, and they're really into family. Hmm. Yeah, I have a friend who's a who is he's actually my college roommate was written up as the oil baron of Wall Street in the Wall Street Journal about 20 years ago. I, I, God only knows how much money he is worth and the stuff he does you would never know. It just this foundation, uh, 75 scholarships to this certain kind of study, because he sees a need in the world. Just like, I am, um, I'm a real believer, stop it. I'm a real believer that, that uh, God allows individuals to accumulate wealth, to do things that governments can't or won't do. I think that is the primary purpose. And Bill Gates and Warren Buffett would agree exactly with that sentiment. And uh, I think to the extent that we accumulate wealth, God uh, asks us to look at high quality investment and just do it. Just surprise somebody with some generosity that allows. It's like people come up to a place in their life where they're stuck. And but for $2,000, they could go forward. And you just quietly make that possible and on they go. And I think that's one of the greatest joys in our lives, even in little ways and big ways is, is to to say, God, even though maybe my spiritual gifting isn't a giver, there is a place where he, he asks us if we're willing to part with money. It's almost like a test in us, especially in our society. It's like I've always thought that I'm, I'm covering time because I know I only have 30 seconds, so we, we'll get to the next two next time. But he has chosen the rich to be rich, and he has chosen the poor to be rich in faith. And giving to the poor is an exchange, it's not a gift. If you give to the poor in a way that you actually get to meet them and know them, you will find it's an exchange. And person after person has said, I gain more from going to X country, getting involved in Y ministry than they did. They say that again and again because God has set up the world that it's an exchange. And if you will give of the world's goods, you get back something that's of infinite more worth, but it's hidden. It's hidden in a place. You'll never see it. It's hidden in a place where the proud, the greedy, the judgmental will never find it. Right? It's just God's way. It's like the pearl of great price is hidden in a field. And it's just a field. But when the man who discerns the Pearl of Great Price sees it, he'll pay anything. And and that's kind of what this class is about, is this connection with God, this walking intimately with God, connecting with Him on a daily basis, having Him be your best friend. I prayed with the guy last week and and I just said, let's ask, we kind of forgave Father and did all that. And I said, let's ask Father God if it would be okay if you came near him. And he just just starts weeping. And he goes, oh my gosh, we're sitting on my couch and I'm a little boy and I'm nestled up against him. And oh, and Mike and I, we just got up and said, we're just going to leave you alone. And we just closed the door and walked away. I saw him three hours later and he said, he said, that was surreal. I talked to him uh, yesterday, and he said, it's still happening. Still happening. He says, I can close my eyes anywhere, anytime, and be leaning against the Father and hear his heartbeat. And he goes, that's the most precious thing in life for me. See, that is God's intention for all of us. Not that thing in particular, but a relationship where I can close my eyes and lean my head, and I'm, I'm with God. That's what he wants from us. That's, that's why he gave us the Holy Spirit inside of us, so that there would never not be an intimate, immediate connection with God at all times and in all places. And that's, you know, that's the highest and best thing this class is about, is to encourage us in that connection. Okay? That was my prayer. Thank you. Thanks, Andy. Sure.